Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hi, everyone. Brittany here. This episode of Food Therapy is brought to you by The Nurture Method, a parent's guide to compassionately ending the cycle of generational dieting and finding joy in food. This is my brand new self-paced course specifically designed with you in mind to help you do the inner work around food and body image so you no longer have to fear passing these diet messages down to your kids or future kids. Parents love the idea of helping their child cultivate a healthy relationship with food and body, and yet they're really confused when it comes to their own relationship with food and how to support their kids. This course is also for those who hope to be parents one day and would love to just have their relationship with food figured out. My goal is to help you feel less overwhelmed and walk away feeling more empowered to raise resilient and confident intuitive eaters. The legacy of diet culture in your family can end with you. So if you are struggling with your own relationship with food and body, and you fear passing these messages down to your kids or future kids, keep your eyes on my Instagram page at nofoodfears or my website, www.brittanymodellrd.com. And if you are listening to this episode after the first week or two of November, my course, The Nurture Method, will officially be open. So go check it out. So hello and welcome back to Food Therapy. Today, we are talking about the impact of intergenerational dieting. And generational dieting is something that is really near and dear to my heart. It has been a huge impact on my relationship with food and my body. And it really impacts, I would say, like 99% of my clients that I work with. So I'm really excited to talk about this today. Yeah, I'm super excited too, because I feel like so many times when I'm having conversations with potential clients or people that are just in my DMs, a big reason that a lot of women are wanting to work with me are they're either pregnant or wanting to have children soon. And they're saying how they don't want to put their potential daughter or son through what they've been through. Yes, exactly. They don't want them to have to diet and hate their bodies. And yet there is this disconnect because unfortunately you, you, we can't take someone where they haven't been themselves. So like if, if you are a parent and you are really struggling in your relationship with food, it might feel like such a foreign concept to be able to help your child cultivate a great relationship with food. And this could actually be a whole other episode on how to raise intuitive eaters. I know we did an amazing episode with Diana Rice um, back in season one. So definitely go check that out. I first wanted to start with the definition of generational dieting. And I actually pulled this definition from the book, How to Raise Intuitive Eaters by Sumner Brooks. And oh my God, I'm blanking. Amy Severson. 
So generational dieting includes family patterns of upholding the ideal that a thinner body is better than a fat body and that you should eat to control your weight rather than honor your hunger. Um, Generational dieting is the compounded effect of our parents dieting, their parents, and their parents. So let's use the example of a grandparent who really valued thinness. Grandma, you know, probably tried a bunch of different diets, maybe ate small amounts of food. She passed those messages on to her kids. And then they grew up valuing thinness and going on various diets. And then they passed that down to their kids, which maybe then passed down to you. And so it really can be perpetuated throughout the generations. And I do think in the this year, 2022, we are starting to see some very, very small changes. And at the same time, I would say generational dieting is still very much here with us. Yeah, 100%. And also, it's really challenging, especially the older generations, because they've been through so many generations of dieting that it's really hard for them to change their beliefs. I have a lot of clients too that, you know, they have typically parents that there's, there's no changing their beliefs. It's like you're, you're on a diet and you're thin or you're unhealthy. Yes. And I think this is where values work is so important because you could be so close to your parents and your values may not necessarily align. And so what's really important for them may not be as important to you. Mm -hmm. I will also say that generational dieting is so sneaky because family members are not even aware that they are dieting. They're not aware of the impact that it has on the family or on the kids. You know, there have been times where I might hear um, parents, well, you know what? I never comment on my child's weight or their body, but if they are constantly, you know, just critiquing their own bodies and saying, I, I have to go on a diet tomorrow or I have to work off last night's dinner, your child is internalizing all of those messages. And so it's really important to be aware of what is being said in the household, what is being said in front of your kids, and how can you start to change your own way of thinking and patterns of thinking? Yep, exactly. And Brittany and I were chatting before this, and I'm sure you guys have seen on social media where it's, you know, there's memes, there's graphics of your mom had slim fast and we have keto or your mom had Atkins and we have low carb and keto or, um, you know, and it's so interesting too, because nutrition research is always changing. It's a very young field and our parents, they like fat was the worst thing that you could possibly consume. And now it's carbs and sugar. I grew up eating egg whites. Yeah. Um, And I'm actually, so I'm curious, Lauren, I feel like when we had spoken in the past, you mentioned that like your mom had a really good relationship with food. Yeah. I grew up with really intense diet culture in my household. So I have memories of, you know, my mom's mom, would always comment on my mom's body, like really, really critical, entered her into a beauty pageant just to make her feel insecure about herself when she knew she didn't want to. Oh. My dad's side, everyone was always yo-yo dieting, weight cycling. And so there was almost like no hope for me because I grew up with 
this idea of changing your body was so normal and it was the expectation. Um, you know, I started going to nutritionists with my parents and we, it would be like a, an outing. I went to Weight Watchers with my mom. I, I saw dietitians for my bat mitzvah. And so the generational dieting is so intense in my family. And I feel so grateful that I've been able to break this cycle for myself and therefore for like my future family and my future kids. I will say that I'm probably one of the only ones in my family that has been able to break away from this line of thinking, which can definitely be really challenging when, you know, I'm at a dinner table or my mom says a comment or, you know, when my grandmother was alive, she made a comment. So it's just, it's so fascinating how rampant this line of thinking is and how normalized it's been in our society. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's interesting because the more I think about it, my mom growing up, you know, I have a few memories of like a few different comments. Like one was like, you know, I mean, she was really just saying the things that she heard about nutrition, you know, and she definitely wanted to teach me about nutrition. I remember, uh, we went to whole foods one time and I think we saw the dietitian there and she just was like trying to teach me about, but it wasn't really rooted in diet culture. It was like, Oh, or how can we like incorporate some healthy snacks? You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and they'd be like, all right, have like try these dates with peanut butter. And that was like a, it was like, it was almost more of like a, how can we make new, like new ideas around food and make it fun kind of thing. But I do have memories. It's interesting. One of, um, one of my friends growing up, I remember, uh, we always had ice cream in the house and my mom had asked and she was over and my mom had asked us, Oh, do you girls want ice cream? And I was like, yeah. And then, um, my friend was like, no, like I'm good. And, uh, I had asked my mom about it later. Cause I was kind of like, I was like, how do you turn down ice cream? Like, I don't get that. Like whatever. And she was like, well, you know, she, her parents don't keep it in the house. So she just doesn't crave it. And it's so interesting because now we know it's really the opposite. But at the time I was like, oh, and like in my own head, I'm like, so should we not keep it in the house so that I don't crave it? You know? Um, and then also she would say things like, you know, um, oh, well, I heard this thing that like, we're not supposed to eat ingredients that we can't pronounce, you know, all the things that, so she would definitely like try and instill things in me that she thought were beneficial, but it was never like, we're going to Weight Watchers. We're doing this thing. Um, I think she went on Weight Watchers maybe once or twice, but, and I do also have a memory of her being like, I feel like that was like the best, the best, like type of thing that, and actually now that I'm like reflecting on this, I'm like, there definitely was more. Um, but that's, but that's what I mean by it's sneaky. Like you probably didn't recognize that that was diet culture. Exactly. There was one, um, they did like meal delivery to your house and it's like the pre-portioned meals. I forget what it was called. The zone Uh, diet. Oh, it might've been that. My mom did that. Yeah. And I remember getting the meals delivered to my, to our house. And, and I was also so young to a point where it didn't really, I guess, I guess the reason that it, obviously it's sneaky, but also it didn't really affect me in that way. Cause the language in the house wasn't like it, the language in the house was never, I need to lose weight. I'm disgusted. Like I never saw my mom do any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
The other thing, as I was researching for my, my course, I learned a lot about like children and childhood behaviors. And what I never realized was how binary kids thinking is mm. um, when they're younger. So they don't, like children don't have the capacity to really know the nuances. Like they haven't developed that part of the brain yet. And so they view things as black and white. So if a child is told carbs are bad, they really are going to think that all carbohydrates, all sugar is right. bad. And they don't know what let's be healthy means. Right. So we really want to be careful and intentional about the language we use in front of children. Because I can't even tell you how many conversations I've had with clients where they remember verbatim what their parents said to them mm-hmm. 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It has That's- stuck with them to this day. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, kind of like some of the things that I'm reflecting on right now. I'm like, I very specifically remember those moments. But like I said, it wasn't, I think having, not having the language was a big difference for me. But yet I still grew up and had an eating disorder. So, (laughs) but that could have been a component too, where it wasn't ever really necessarily about weight. It was very much about like health. Yes. And I also want to point out, you know, eating disorders are not caused by parents and they're not going to end with parents. Like there are so many factors that contribute to an eating disorder, genetics, our environment, um, you know, and so we don't want to put all this pressure on parents because parents have it hard enough raising kids. That being said, there are things that, you know, you can do in your house to help create and raise resilient kids. So when they do leave the house and they are bombarded by diet culture and, you know, diet messaging, hopefully there's some foundation there for them to be able to fight it off. Yeah. I love that you pointed out that because my mom felt very guilty when she found out about all the things I was struggling with. And I was like, it's not your fault by any means. I mean, the amount of time that I spend in the house around your language versus the amount of time that I spend, first of all, I was in college, so I was never home. Um, and I, that's actually one of my fears. If I ever become a parent is like the, guilt of like anything that happens to your child is your fault, which obviously isn't the case, but you're, I assume that there's always that, you know, they talk about mom guilt all the time. They never talk about dad guilt. It's a whole nother story, Um, but there's always this like mom guilt of, I could have done something differently. I could have raised them differently. And so I like that you noted, you know, there's only so much that we can do. They're going to go out and they're going to live their lives with, they're going to live their lives. But there are things that I like the term of like building resilience for them. Yeah. And, you know, the truth is parenting is, and again, Lauren and I are not parents yet. However, I do have a lot of friends who are parents. I have a lot of clients who are parents. There is so much pressure on parents to feed your child perfectly, raise your child perfectly. Mm. There's an entire industry devoted to helping kids and helping parents parent because it's really hard. Mm. And so this isn't meant to be an additional burden, like somehow, you know, you're ruining your child's life by still being involved in dieting. But I do think that if you are a parent or you hope to be a parent someday and you are listening to this podcast, 
reflecting on your own past relationship with food, looking at the roots of where this all started. And this is, again, like what I do in my course is we look at the roots of your relationship to food because in order to understand how you got to where you were or how you got to where you are, we have to first understand like, where do these messages come from? Where do these belief systems come from? You know, how were you raised to be around food? Was food something that was joyful and, you know, pleasurable? Or was it something that had a lot of rules and restrictions around it? And so learning like those earlier memories around food is obviously so important. And also around body image, you know, what, how were you taught to look at bodies and and understand bodies? Did your parents comment on other bodies when bodies change? Did they comment on their own bodies? So just because a parent doesn't put their child on a diet or doesn't micromanage their intake doesn't mean that they're having a profound impact on the way that, you know, the child is socialized and, and thinks about things in the world. Exactly. And I think obviously they can learn more in your course, but a big thing we talk about is just neutrality, right? Like how can we be neutral around our bodies? How can we be neutral around food rather than having these black and white opinions that there's either this way or the highway? Yeah. Neutrality and to get to ultimately a place of acceptance Mm -hmm. and acceptance is not saying I love my body. Every time I look in the mirror, I love how I look in clothing. Acceptance is like, I accept my body right now, how it is. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to be in love with my body, but I respect my body and I care for my body and teaching your children how to respect and love and, and care for their body is so important because if somebody has a really negative relationship with food, it makes it very hard to care for your body, right? You know, you're likely to skip meals. You're likely to deprive yourself. You're likely to feel guilt and shame and maybe go to the gym longer than you need to. Mm-hmm. And so finding that body respect, body, you know, acceptance is so important in this process. Yes, exactly. So tell us a little bit more about the course. So I'm, I've been working on this course for the last several months and I'm just, it came to me one day because not only do I have my own history of generational dieting in my family, but almost every single person I work with has their own story around food and body as it relates to their family. And so I, I'm like, this is something that is missing in the field. I Maybe it's out there, but I've never seen a course or any program that really looks at like the generational aspect of food and how we can break that cycle. And so I have spent months and months researching, pulling all the information that I can um, to really create a comprehensive course that looks at our past relationship with food, our current relationship with food, and the future of food, which is for our children. And so this course is not just for parents. It is for anybody who wants to really heal the relationship with food. And if you hope to have a a child one day, which, you know, I, I absolutely hope to be a parent at some point, just not now, this course is still for you. And so there are three modules and a few bonus episodes. Module one, we're really looking at 
the root of your relationship with food. Module two, we're looking at your current relationship with food, you know, your food guilt, how you feel about food, how you feel about body image, ways to neutralize language around food. And then in module three, it is children and it's your kids, your future kids. So how to build resilient kids in a home free of diet culture, how to create flexible eating for your child, setting boundaries without restriction. And then we talk about some topics that I've, you know, pulled from my audience that seemed relevant. So like sugar, like how do I trust my child around sugar? Um, How do I incorporate movement for my family without it feeling like it's another part of diet culture? And so, um, along with the course, you know, there's a Facebook community as well. And I'm just so excited to be able to reach more people and really build a community where we can break free from this intergenerational diet trauma, because that is what it is. It is, it is absolutely diet trauma. Yes. So exciting. Yes. So with that said, course, you can go to my website, you can go to my um, Instagram account, I will put that on the bio as well. Jump on my um, email list. And I'm also going to actually be hosting a mastermind on three ways to build back body trust. And that's going to be on November 8th. So all of that information will be on my Instagram. So definitely check it out. And I hope to see some of you inside the course. Yay! Go get the course guys. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.